0: Sorry, guys. Bullshit! Hello, Michelle. How are you?
1: Hi, Geordie. I'm great. I'm really great. Oh, that's good to hear. Yes. What's
0: been happening in the world of Moo Shell?
1: Well,. My long-suffering fiancé, oh, he's had a fantastic accolade. He got a Michelin star for his restaurant. Oh, my God, that is so good. I'm clapping above the microphone so it's not too noisy.
0: That's so exciting. Yeah, it is
1: exciting. It's like winning an Oscar. But in the restaurant world. (laughs) He's won a restaurant Oscar. And I saw the pickies. He looked gorgeous in his tuxedo. And you looked gorgeous in your red velvet. Oh, thank you. I was hoping I didn't look like a cheap tart in red velvet. No, it was a wonderful, wonderful time and I'm very proud of him. In the absence of a red carpet, you were the red carpet that day, Michelle. (laughs) They could walk all over me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Only for one day though. One day only. So, Let's welcome ourselves. I am Geordie. And I am Michelle, and you are eavesdropping on us. But we allow it. In fact, we encourage it. So continue, please, listeners, to eavesdrop on us. Now, I've had a little bit of a comment from one of our long-time listeners over in Australia about the porn episode.
1: I don't know that this is going to be
0: positive. We had a comment from a lovely lady who you know very well, Michelle, a Mrs. Jenny Margarita, a.k.a. Jen, Jen the Hen, she's gotten in touch to say, what an eye-opener of an episode, and it knocked her socks off, Michelle. Knocked her socks clean off. Now, Jen, Jen knows a thing or two about the world, let me tell you. Yet, our episode about porn, well, that may have, um, well, it didn't shrink her brain, it probably expanded her brain, I'd say.
1: Well, this is news to me, and I have to say, I just spoke to Jen extremely recently, aka yesterday. (laughs) a word to me about the porn episode, so I'm glad she's getting in touch with you. Well, she's interacting with our Facebook, actually, Michelle. Oh, she is. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, I wonder if it was the the granny porn that opened her eye. (laughs) Well, I must say on the second listen
0: after editing that and having that conversation, I was listening to it on the tube and I was thinking, God, I hope I see anybody looking at porn while I'm (laughs) sitting here. But it did cross my mind. Like it kind of went into my head a bit. I was thinking about the granny and what did she look like? Was she a glamorous granny? Was she not glamorous with her false teeth in one hand clamped around the base of a (laughs) ding-dong, her mouth in the other? I mean, sorry, listeners, to go straight to the cut to the chase, but... That is what we spoke about two episodes ago. Obviously, it's a while ago now. But Michelle, didn't you just tell me a minute ago that they don't like it over on Facebook? Anything to do with, not Facebook, uh, on YouTube, they don't like anything to do with
1: porn or QAnon? Yes, we've had both of our episodes taken down from YouTube. The porn episode, I think it was also to do with some of the links that I had put in the show oh. notes that have been flagged. Yes. It could have been <laughs> the one with the granny porn. Yes, they don't like it. I find that quite mysterious considering there are tits aplenty on YouTube, but they take a comedy <laughs> podcast down. So <laughs> go figure. Well,
0: F you, YouTube. <laughs>
1: f F-yo YouTube. F-you. I've
0: got another update to some of those listeners who have been with us for a long time. You may remember we had a great episode back in season two, which was 2021, episode 42. It was called Who's the Daddy? And I spoke about how Jack Nicholson didn't know who his real mother was. In fact, he was raised as her brother, if you see what I mean. And there was a few other celebrities we spoke about. Michelle, you told the fantastic story about the Australian man, Simon Durante Day, who believes he is the illegitimate at the time son of King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla when they were having an affair pre... I mean, it was a long time ago. When he claims to for that to have happened, I think that Charles would have been in britches. You know, he would have been 16 or something. Britches? Which is almost impossible.
1: <laughs> britches? <laughs> Where the hell did you pull britches out of the air? <laughs> I just britches.
0: conjured up I conjured up an image of King Charles in my head and he was wearing a hat, one of those hard hats. You know, he's playing polo oh, and Jesus. those jodpers is what I was thinking.
1: Oh, joddies, the old joddies. Uh, he's in britches. Well, look, yeah, Simon Durant today, <laughs> he had a tale to tell where he said that The royal family changed his eye colour. They filed down Mm, his teeth. Filed his teeth! Yes, and he's been pestering the royal family for decades to have his status as illegitimate love child confirmed so yeah you know but it hasn't happened
0: well Netflix has gotten in touch with him apparently and I think they may be making a show about Simon Durante day and the love story that led to his
1: to his being conceived his conceivement conception conception thank you <laughs> oh my god it's gonna be one of those days I feel like it will well, do you know what I thought you were going to say a Netflix has been in touch with me, and they want eavesdropping on the oh, I on wish. eavesdropping podcast. Wouldn't that? Who be wants
0: a Netflix commissioned eavesdropping series? Hands up, get in touch with Netflix. With Netflix, <laughs> why don't you start a petition or something? Because it could happen. The second update that I have, Michelle, and I wouldn't be surprised if all of this has passed you by because, like you've said, you've just been receiving Michelin stars, wearing a carpet dress having the time of your lives <laughs> while your partner won the best and highest accolade that any restaurateur can receive. So congratulations to Andreas and to you for all your hard work. Meanwhile, over in Australia, this is regarding all of our Teachers Pets updates. You know, the yes. the now convicted murderer Chris Dawson, who was the subject of a really good podcast called Teachers Pet that we have then covered and recovered because there's a lot more things coming up regarding this missing person stroke murder case of his wife lynn well he has now been convicted and now in australia in the new south wales state which is where i'm from there's been a new law passed to motivate killers to reveal the whereabouts of their victim's body it's known as the nobody no parole law And it means convicted murderers will be denied any chance of parole unless they disclose the location of their victims' remains. Wow. Yeah. This new law would affect about six prisoners in New South Wales jails, Chris Dawson being one of them. And this is why it's also been known as Lynn's Law. And this, Michelle, this law was launched after a lobby was started by people. It was a petition. So people, you know, we can have our Netflix series, just get pen to paper because Australians did this. They started a petition for the reform. It gathered nearly 30,000 signatures and now that law
1: is being passed or has been passed. I think that's amazing because it's true. There is absolutely no incentive for killers, murderers, all the likes of those naughty people to give up the body, to give up the whereabouts, Mm. to give those families some closure. There is no incentive. It's their last little bit of power that they hold, you know, knowing they've got one up. Yes, and hopefully it will be enough of an incentive because those families go through hell mm-hmm. and they really are at the mercy of the killers and all they want to do is lay their loved ones yeah. to rest. They've already
0: suffered the worst thing possibly imaginable and this murderer is now languishing for their crimes but they still mm. hold that last piece of the puzzle. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people power. People have the power. Go Aussies. If it works, great. Let's see it rolled out in other countries as well. Why do we have to stick with these archaic laws? Why can't we change them as we move on? I mean, we take a prime minister and we change them rapidly. So in this country anyway. So why not change laws?
1: (laughs) And we are talking about Liz Truss right now. Yeah, she's
0: gone. But by the time this episode comes out, we will have a new prime minister. I hope to God it's not Boris again because that would be ridiculous.
1: It would be ridiculous, but I saw a fantastic meme. It was a picture of 10 Downing Street, the front door, with Airbnb. And it said, available for short-term Ah <laughs> <laughs> Short-term rentals. Love that. It is the state of the UK right now. Yep. Just insane.
0: It's all over the bloody shop. So what have you got to tell me today, Michelle?
1: Is it Mysterious Mysteries time? Oh my God, are you psychic? Did you know I was going to talk about mysterious mysteries? So in tune with you. Well, do you know what? I went for the the plural in mysteries. I've got a few bits. Oh, I love it when you bring your bits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to show you my bits today. Great. They're all mysterious mysteries and maybe one might... Even have something to do with aliens. Oh, come on. Alrighty. So, I'm getting comfy. I'm going to talk to you about this weird piece of metal. Now, I know it doesn't sound exciting. Mm. So, I'm going to take you back to Romania, where in 1973, on the bank of the Mures. I don't actually know if that's how you say don't it. I don't even know what that is. It's a river. Okay. The Moors River. How do you, Moores River. Can we spell that? M-U-R-E-S?
0: Moores. Hmm. Mur- Mur- I don't
1: know. Maybe this is one for longtime eavesdropper Janneke to get in touch. She's the pronunciation queen when it comes to all these European...
0: Eastern European. Okay.
1: Yes. So, 1973, Moores River. Builders were digging around and they found... Under 35 feet of sand. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot. It's deep. Next to a pile of mastodon bones. What? Right. They found this piece of aluminium. What? Uh Yes. Known as the object of... Urd. A-U-I-D. I don't know how the hell you say that. I
0: have no idea. This is giving me Stanley Kubrick vibes. It's giving me Arthur C. (laughs) Clarke vibes. It's giving me 2001 A Space Odyssey vibes right here, right now.
1: Yes, it's giving me chill bumps because it's weird. Yeah. I've read articles that say this weird thing, this weird metal, is one of the most mysterious and controversial objects of our time. Right. And the whole piece of this metal is a complete mystery. Why, you might ask? Well, the main reason why this bit of metal is so weird because, you know, there are conspiracy theories linked to this. It's because this thing is almost 90% metallic aluminium. Okay. Usually it's an alloy. Yes. Humans only began producing this around 200 years ago in the 1800s but weirdly it's coated in aluminium oxide that is more than 400 years old what? and like I said this
0: weird wedge it's a wedge shape okay uh, that was another question I had what is the shape what is the size have they tested it yeah
1: it's all been tested it's not that huge from what I can tell because obviously I haven't seen it in real life IRL it's I would say judging from the pictures it's Half a loaf of bread size?
0: Oh, so it's not massive. No, but it's weird. Yeah.
1: Like I said, it was found next to dinosaur bones. Mm. And these dinosaur bones became extinct. Well, the dinosaur became extinct Mm. at least 11,000 years ago. That's
0: crazy, 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 crazy. So what the fuck is going on? Is there any way that... Okay, you've got your dinosaur bones. They're buried, buried, deep, 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 35 feet, 35 feet down. I don't know what that is in meters. Is there any way that this metal could have been buried later and slipped down? No, not really.
1: It's unlikely. So I did read, and I haven't got my notes in front of me here mm-hmm. for this, but I did read that there were two separate labs, one in Romania and one in Switzerland, that both tested the wedge and both got almost identical results okay. that this wedge is thousands of years old. Amazing. Thousands of years Amazing. old. Maybe not as old as the bones, but definitely these are thousands and thousands of years old. I'm going to put this into context again. So aluminium production requires a ridiculous amount of heat, yeah. more than a 1,000 degrees And aluminium, it's not found in nature. It only exists because of manufacturing, which only began in the 1800s. So, right there, if this has been dated by those labs at being thousands of years old, and yet our manufacturing of this only began at the max 200 years ago, then I'm going to just put it out there. There are some conspiracy theories here. And you know that I love this. Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. Yep. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. And I'm not the only one. So there is this Romanian ufologist called Florin Georgita. Gio- and I uh, okay. really right. apologize because <laughs> I don't think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, this, this ufologist has a theory that the wedge was accidentally left behind by an alien ship. Mm-hmm. And if what they say is right about the dating of this yeah. metal, then... Why not? You know, how else did it get there? Time travel. That's another option. Time travel. Yes. Yes. And of course, right, scholars have looked at this metal and they are debating whether or not the testing and the dating of it is correct, Mm -hmm. whether or not the wedge is the same age as the mastodon bones Um, Because obviously that would make it 11,000 years old. But there are people calling this a fake. They're calling it a hoax. Because, you know, it is quite hard to wrap your head around. Nothing about this adds up at all. And, you know, we have also talked about alien arcs in past... Yes, we have. ...episodes in sand. This was found in sand. Okay. So, you know, there are all of these weird connections... But the weird thing now is that apparently it was on display in a museum in Romania for years, but you can't see it anymore. It's been taken away. I don't know. It's been hidden in an undisclosed location because I think people – realize that this is potentially some kind of weird anomaly you know people do want to call it a fake people do want to believe it's aliens so there's a lot of debate around it Mm -hmm. and it's now hidden somewhere in Romania and the only evidence of this are pics on the internet you cannot literally go and see this thing in a glass case anymore right I'm just gonna put it out there. It's a mysterious mystery. I don't know, fake or real. That is such a conundrum. It
0: just goes to show there are things in this world, in this universe, even that we cannot fathom.
1: It's conspiracy. I think it's a conspiracy. So, I'm now going to give you a little bit of mysterious mystery true crime oh true crime time and i'm just gonna ask you a simple question you're not gonna know the answer who put bella in the witch elm oh i know this oh you know this one this is a very famous
0: story i've heard it on a few different crime podcasts but i would love to hear the michelle margarita treatment please
1: (laughs) i never heard of this and i don't know who put bella in the witch elm So way back um, in 1943, on the 18th of April, four young lads were out poaching and they were raiding bird nests and they were in a place called Hagley Wood. That's what you had to do to
0: survive back then, by the way. That will be a return to form for this country shortly. We'll be scrumping apples, stealing eggs out of birds' nests to survive. Dark days are coming.
1: The The recession is real, people. These boys, I don't know if they were doing it just for fun or, I mean, poaching, you know, it's a bit of fun, but also put some dinner on the table. Yeah. Well, they were in Hagley Wood, which is part of the Hagley Estate near Witchbury Hill in Worcester in the UK. And while they were in the wood, they saw this tree. It was a large witch elm. And they thought, oh, you know, might be some nice bird's nests in there. So, one of the boys decided, I'm going to climb up the tree. Mm. And as he climbed up, he noticed that the trunk of the tree was hollow. And inside, there was a skull Ugh. in that trunk. And he was curious. He was like, whoa, God, that's a skull. What kind of animal is that skull? He wasn't scared at all to go down and, and take a closer look at this. But it wasn't an animal. No, It had hair and teeth Ah. it was a human skull yes i mean obviously these kids were freaked out but also they were on the land illegally so all four of these boys ran home and they didn't tell anyone about what they found yeah except one boy who was actually the youngest boy in the group Mm. he was freaking out about it and eventually he did tell his parents about the skull who then, as good parents would do, they reported it to the police. Thank God. And when the police went to check out the tree, they found not only the skull, but almost a complete skeleton. Oh, God. With a shoe, a gold wedding ring, and some of bits of the clothing still <sighs> attached. And Aww. like the poor kid had seen, the skull still had some tufts of hair on it. And the teeth were actually in good condition, which actually meant the, the skull was really a key piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. And the only evidence they had, well, the police had, as to try and discover who this might be. And the thing was, when they realised that there were parts of the skeleton missing, the police conducted a search and they did find the remains of a hand not far from the tree. Oh. So the skeleton was sent off for forensic examination I mean, unsurprisingly, they identified from, you know, the wedding ring and all this kind of stuff that it was a, a woman who'd been dead for at least 18 months. Mm-hmm. And they estimate the date of death was probably around October 1941. Okay. The forensic examination also revealed a piece of taffeta stuffed in her, her mouth, oh. suggesting that she'd been suffocated. And this is grim. It's not a big trigger, but maybe minor trigger, a little trigger. The forensic examiners also thought that the body had been stuffed into the hollow tree trunk, still warm. Oh, after the killing, because the examiners believed that the body wouldn't have uh, fit inside the tree trunk With rigamortis. once rigor mortis. Mm. Yeah, once that had set in. So, this was during the Second World War, and loads of people had been reported missing at the time. Yeah. So. Even though the police had loads of solid clues about her identity, they couldn't precisely figure out who she was, even after cross referencing details against reports of missing persons throughout the region. And, you know, there weren't computers back then, so it was all hand and phone and, you know, looking through paper reports. So it's it's difficult. Microfish. I don't even know if they had microfish back that then. Was way too advanced. Possibly not. One thing wa- that they did try was the dentistry on the teeth was yeah. quite unique. She had some teeth missing and some quite specific dental work done. Okay. So the police contacted loads of dentists around the country with this evidence and what they'd found with the dentistry, but it still didn't produce any leads. Mm-hmm. Then in 1944, on a wall in Upper Dean Street in Birmingham, a piece of graffiti appeared one day out of nowhere that said, Who put Bella down the witch elm? Ooh. Hagley Wood. Ha- it
0: said Hagley Wood at the end as well. And then
1: it said Dash Hagley Wood. Oh. This really intrigued police because they were like... Someone knows. Yes. Does someone know something? Could it be a woman called Bella. Yeah. Apparently back in 2014, Radio 4 looked into this mystery and a presenter called Steve Punt came up with a few theories. I love
0: Steve Punt. Mary Whitehouse experience. He's great fun. With Hugh Dennis, they do The Now Show the now as well. The
1: Now Show. <laughs> That's them. So,
0: oh, Punt investigates. I love that show.
1: Well, he did a whole radio episode on this, yes. and he came up with a few theories. First of all, he thought one possible idea was it was a sex worker because in uh, 1944, another sex worker had come forward to say her co-worker Bella, who had worked on the Hagley Road, had disappeared yeah. three years earlier. Oh. If that woman in the tree is this sex worker, then yeah, whoever wrote that graffiti knows. Something. Yeah. They investigated that and they didn't really come up with any clues as to whether or not it was this sex worker Corbella who mm. had mysteriously disappeared. The second theory that Steve Punt came up with was connected to a statement made to police in 1953 by a woman called Una Mossop, who said her ex husband Jack Mossop had confessed to her and some other family members that oh. he and a Dutch guy called Van Ralt, had put this woman in the tree. Oh, wow. And the story goes that Jack and this guy Van Ralt had been drinking at the Littleton Arms pub in Hagley. There was a woman there who was steaming drunk and she was so smashed that they apparently decided to drop her home because they were concerned about how drunk she was and she'd passed out while they were driving and that they didn't know what to do with this passed out drunk woman. So they stuck her in a tree, <gasps> hoping that when she woke up in the morning, she'd be freaked out. She'd repent how drunk she'd gotten the night before Jesus. and never do it again. But how did but, the
0: taffeta get down her neck? Yep.
1: And this just Sorry, sounds guys. like bullshit to Bullshit! Because honestly, these two dudes are taking a drunk... Innocently taking a drunk woman home, yeah, so innocent. Then they don't actually drive her home. No, they just stick her her in a tree. Put her inside a
0: tree. No, sorry guys, no. If you did
1: something, if you did that, you did a lot more. I think so. I mean, just to teach her a lesson, you put her in the tree. Fuck you. What the actual fuck? So I think that is bullshit. I'm calling it. But apparently, Jack Mossop was actually sent to a Stafford psychiatric hospital because. He had recurring dreams of a woman staring out at him from a tree.
0: Oh, there's your comeuppance, Jack. Ooh,
1: you're harsh. (laughs) Well, you know, you
0: do the crime. You lose your mind. You lose (laughs) your mind. Exactly. That's what they say.
1: (laughs) Well, the thing is that even though I call bullshit on their motivations and what they did, there could be some legs to this story because apparently Jack died in the psychiatric hospital before... The woman in the witch elm was found.
0: Oh, so it's not like he heard about this story. No. Oh, my goodness. No. So
1: could there be a link?
0: Oh, God, yeah. There's a link there. Undoubtedly, right?
1: Well, the thing is... Una Mossop did not come forward with this information until oh. more than 10 years after Jack Mossop's death. Is she making it up? Is she misremembering?
0: So she heard about Bella in the Witch Elm and then she came up with this story. Oh, that reminds me of something my silly husband Jack told me once. My
1: ex-husband when he was in the mental ward said and then he died. Yeah. So is she misremembering? Tenuous. But this was a theory. And then the last, well, it's not the last theory. There's another theory about who this lady in the in the tree is. And it comes from MI5 declassified files.
0: Oh, I love a declass.
1: Declassy. Declassy file about a guy called Joseph Jacobs or Jacobs, who was the last man to be put to death in the Tower of London on the 15th oh. of August in 1941. So, apparently, Josef was an Abwehr. our German listeners, I'm sorry, I don't know how you pronounce that, but he was an Abwehr agent, which means he was part of the German military intelligence service. Now, apparently, he parachuted into Cambridgeshire in 1941, but on landing, he broke his ankle and he was arrested wow. by the British Home Guard. When they searched him, they found a photo of a woman who was a German cabaret singer and an actress called Clara Boyle, who was supposedly his lover. When they were uh, interrogating him, Joseph said that Clara was being trained as a spy. So it didn't take long for people to join the dots between Clara being trained as a spy and the woman in the witch helm. Could it be Clara? Right. Except that apparently Clara was around six feet tall. The lady in the tree was more my height, around five foot. So in 2016, because this has been going on, people have been looking into it. But in 2016, reports uh, from Germany confirmed that it could not have been Clara Boyler in the tree because apparently she died in Berlin on 16th of December in 1942 two only a few months oh, yeah a few okay. months before the body was found but a few months after they think the lady in the witch elm was killed okay so she's now been ruled out obviously there's been some connections with witchcraft it's been mooted right that she that this woman was part of like a ritualistic sacrifice uh-huh. and that's to do with the hand being found Elsewhere.
0: Elsewhere. I mean, that is creepy. I'd forgotten that little detail. That's not very nice
1: at all, is no, it? No, because there's a ritual called the Hand of Glory where they sever what? a hand. What for? Well, apparently it was a something to do with Romany occult rituals because there'd been oh. a Romany uh, occult ritual killing, a ritualistic killing of a man called Charles Walton in the same region oh around God. that same time. Although, to put it out there, there is no evidence that confirms that this is what happened. And then finally, in 1953, there's another theory floating around about this lady in the tree, that she was a Dutch woman called Clara Bella Dronkers. Great name. Well, that's very similar to the other lady's name, Spy in Training from Berlin. No, I get this. Who had been killed by a German spy ring, consisting of a British officer, a Dutchman... And a musical artist who was killed for knowing too much. Now, the thing to me, this just sounds like a mashup of all the other theories that people have (laughs) gone, oh, it's a bit of this, it's a bit of that. Reaching. Yeah. The upshot of all this is this is still a mysterious mystery. No one to this day knows who put Bella in the witch arm. If she was even called Bella. If she
0: was, exactly. Well, that's amazing. I love your version of that story, Michelle. It made total sense. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. But I also wonder, do the police still have the skull? Well, they could be testing. Exactly. They need to DNA test the shit out of that because if they pop that through 23andMe or whatever, who yep. knows, boom, could be a match. So, come on, police, well, get testing. Like Tamam Shoot. it was
0: finally revealed yes. who that man was. Yes. Mysterious mysteries of all time. You know? <laughs>
1: Geordie. yes. This happened in October 1963 in okay. Methuen, in Massachusetts, Uh-huh. and this happened to a family called the Martin family. And look, they were just eating dinner, eating, eating dinner. Do you know what they'd finished? <laughs> they'd finished dinner. I don't even know why I said eating dinner. They'd eaten their meal. Eating a meal. Ah, <laughs> ah. Oh. 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 They just, be- they just. <laughs> Throwing some grub down their necks. Okay, now. <laughs> so, do you know what? they finished okay. eating. Don't even know why this is. It's not even an important <laughs> fact. Anyway, they're about to watch some telly. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all sitting down when, out of nowhere, they noticed a small, damp patch of water suddenly forming on the wall what? between two bookshelves. Oh, God. Yep. I mean, it started off as the size of a small marble, but pretty quickly it became the size of a large dinner plate. No. And the dad, Francis Martin, went to investigate what was happening. And initially he thought, oh, you know, it's just a pipe that's uh, frozen and burst. Mm -hmm. But it was early October and it wasn't cold enough for that to happen. And... Then he thought, oh, maybe it's the drains, but he'd actually cleared the drains only a few weeks earlier Mm. and it was unlikely that it was a block drain that was somehow causing this this water to create a wet patch on the wall. Thing is, when he touched this wet spot, it wasn't just wet. Hmm? It was sticky as well. Ectoplasm. Don't even discount that because... Not joking. I think there could be some kind of poltergeist activity yeah. here. So just put a pin in that theory, right? So his kids and his wife went up and they touched the wall as well. And it was sticky. They were all like, this whoa, what is this? Yeah. And they could not understand what was going on. Then, out of nowhere, a loud popping sound scared the shit out of them because it sounded like a gunshot. That scared the shit out of me. Pop! <laughs> that didn't scare you. Anyway. Pop! Then... A split second later, a spout of water, like a water, just jetted out of the wall, Uh leaving the whole family soaking wet. Oh, but were they sticky as well? I didn't read that the water was sticky. Just wet. Well, the thing is, and this is a quote from Francis, he says, the water was freezing cold, the coldest water I've ever felt. (gasps) A few seconds later this icy jet of water just stopped. And because it was out of hours, the family were like, oh, fuck, how weird. Okay, we're just going to clean up this mess and we'll call a plumber in the morning. Except the next day, another wet spot appeared on a different wall. And another jet of water was pouring into the house. And again, like, you know, this mysterious... Jet of water, it lasted about 20 seconds before stopping suddenly. And over the next few days, this pattern of wet patch, popping, huge gunshot popping sound and water jets spraying water into the house was happening every 15 minutes all over the house. I'm totally freaked out by this. Yep. To the point where the family couldn't live there anymore because the house was fucking sodden. Well, had they called the people to come in and have a look? Yeah, they could. And there was no uh, link to any water at all. Everybody Nothing was else. flummoxed by what was going on. So they packed up their stuff and they moved to the mother-in-law's place in Lawrence, which is a town close-ish to Methuen. Thing is, it started happening at the mother-in-law's oh, house. Oh, come on! Yep, that's a poltergeist. Yep, walls, carpets, furniture, everything was soaked. She was. So the, the fire department decided to investigate both the houses for leaky pipes or whatever. And they also heard the popping sound, mysterious. They saw the mysterious wet patch. They saw these jets of water streaming out of nowhere, out of dry plaster into the house. Oh, they oh. had no clue what was going on. They had literally never seen anything like this before. So Francis felt bad and he packed up the kids, packed up the wife. They went back to their their old house because they were like, we can't destroy the mother-in-law's house and when this time when they went back the water supply was turned off at the mains they had no water no running water no toilet nothing and they thought great this will do the trick and for the first night nothing happened great. so they were like yes no popping no water jets but the next morning despite being all the water having been turned off they heard the popping they oh they saw the wet patch they the Jet of ice-cold water exploded a wall. And this was relentless for days. Days. Insane. and Days. They went, fuck, we can't live here. They went back to the mother-in-law's house. Same shit again. Oh, my gosh. They need a good cleanse. Yeah, this poltergeist going is following a family. So they went home and they were like, right, we just need to accept this poltergeist wants to – fucking destroy us, destroy our family. We just have to deal Mm. with it. So they Mm -hmm. lived in basically a waterlogged house. Everything was wet, but there was nothing they could do. They couldn't move anywhere. And thing is, once they sort of accepted that they had to stay in in their house, yes, they had every single day popping the wet patches, the weird sounds, everything, the water gushing into the house. But... It started to get less and less. And finally, over a period of a few weeks, it did stop. And look, to this day.
0: No one knows what? No one knows. No
1: one knows. They have no explanation for what happened to them, why gallons of water would suddenly erupt into their house. People have come, like experts have come to the house and they've said, oh, it was just moisture buildup. That's the (laughs) official explanation apparently. thanks. But no buildup of moisture can create that this. travels yes
0: and then it travels to the mother-in-law honestly
1: and a moisture buildup that can have a gushing jet of water for 20 seconds and mm. a popping sound mm. no so obviously psychic investigators think this was a water demon poltergeist wow no one knows and we no. never
0: will <laughs> I think, Michelle, there are just some things that have to remain a mystery. Wow, that was an insanely fantastic bloody story. Thank you. That's Woo! okay. So just
1: be careful, people. If you hear a pop, if you see a wet patch. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> on, a pop. And a pop on your wall. Could be a water demon. <laughs> true, and true. Gen true, and true. 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 Boom.
0: So... I'm going to talk to you today, Michelle, about boats. And yes, I do have a mysterious mystery, but not before I want to tell you a funny, not a funny anecdote regarding a boat movie, but I'm going to talk about some boat films. We've got Das Boot, Das Boot, as my husband likes to call it. But have you seen Fitzcarraldo, which is a Werner Herzog film starring Klaus Kinski? Yeah, Werner Herzog, he does some great films and he had a bunch of them that he did with this actor, Klaus Kinski, German quite nutty but this particular one called Fitzcarraldo it was released in 1982 I admit I haven't seen it Mm -hmm. no I don't have to I'm going to tell you all about it (laughs) it's about an opera loving European man called Brian Fitzgerald played by Klaus Kinski who lives in a small Peruvian city he's also known by the locals as Fitzcarraldo yeah and he's obsessed with building an opera house in his town because he loves the opera Mm -hmm. so he decides to fund it through the rubber business which was taking off in Peru at the time. So he set out to become a huge, successful rubber baron. Rubber baron, I'll say that again because it didn't sound right. Rubber baron. Sounds like
1: you're saying he's a rubber band.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he hatches an elaborate plan to carry an enormous boat over a mountain with the help of a band of natives. And essentially, that is what the film is about. It took three years to make In Wild Peruvian Jungle. And Herzog actually said of this stunt that he pulled of bringing the books they did make a boat they built a boat and they did haul it up over the mountain and he said by managing to pull this steamship up and over a mountain which was an incredible feat in itself it will probably never be attempted again and he called himself the conquistador of the useless
1: <laughs> well the other thing too to note is that peruvian rainforest probably is long gone probably doesn't even exist anymore
0: I think it's still there and the the remains of the boat can still be seen. Really? Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So apparently the film, my husband has seen it. He said it's a bit boring. (laughs) But here are some fun facts. Jason Robards, the actor who, I think Jason Robards has been a lot of things. Maybe he was in something like Poltergeist. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Jason Robards, big actor from the 80s and stuff. He was initially in the title role with Mick Jagger as his co-star. Yes, Mick was his kind of... Igor-style mentally challenged assistant. But after several months of filming in incredibly challenging conditions, Robards contracted amoebic dysentery and had to bow out of the movie. And by that time because it was getting pushed back and pushed back, the production. Mick then had touring commitments and he had to drop out as well. And Herzog said of losing Mick, he said it was the biggest loss he's ever experienced as a film director. He liked him so much as a performer that any replacement would have been an embarrassment, is what he said about losing Mick. The fantastic
1: actor Jagger. Who knew? Who knew? Because honestly, this is so shades of Harry Styles, isn't it? I don't know. Well, Harry's now an actor.
0: Well, I don't know much about him.
1: Oh, get with the times. Anyway, continue with your boat story.
0: <laughs> All right. So they didn't replace Mick Jagger. They did replace Jason Robards with Klaus Kinski. But because Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog had worked together on a few films, mm. Noseratu, Agira, The Wrath of God, they didn't have a great relationship. In fact, during the shoot, the 1972 shoot of Aguirre, Wrath of God, also filmed in Jungle, Herzog had actually pointed a gun at Kinski. He's notoriously difficult, this actor. Holy shit. Notoriously mad, eccentric, uh, delusions of grandeur. He spent long months, the actor, with native Peruvian extras dragging this steamboat up and over a muddy steep mountain, losing his shit on a daily basis. He scared these extras, who were actual native Peruvians, to the point where the chief of the tribe approached Herzog and said... Do you want us to knock him off for you? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, here you go. (laughs) He said, no, I need to finish this film. But other chaotic occurrences that happened during the shoot saw an attack from another tribe where an arrow pierced a man's throat. He survived, but his wife needed eight hours of emergency surgery, which Herzog actually assisted with. I mean, this man's had quite the life, Werner Herzog. I think he's quite incredible. Shit. Then a logger working on the film got a snake bite. How did he deal with that, Michelle? Oh, he chainsawed his foot off.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And then various extras became ill in the inhospitable conditions and some of them even died. So it's a shame that the film was a bit dull.
1: The premise did sound not so great, I have Mm. to say. It sounds like
0: behind the scenes was more fun. In fact, there is Mm. something that Werner Herzog has done called My Best Friend, which is a documentary about the the behind-the-scenes making of a lot of films, especially the ones including Klaus Kinski. He's Mm. since died. I think Werner Herzog died as well. I'm not sure recently. I'm not sure. Don't quote me.
1: Yeah, I'll show note the shit out of that. Okay. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, apparently Kinsky was hated by his own family. Two of his daughters, the actress Pola and Nass- Nassasa, Nass- Natasha, Both Natascha Kinski, both accused mm. him of sexual abuse as children.
1: Oh, my yeah. God.
0: She was so beautiful. I know. He wasn't. Now, moving on to the mysterious <laughs> boat mystery. Brace yourself, Michelle. I have a mystery that's unsolved as well. Throws up quite a few questions. So here we go. Classified CIA papers have been revealed that tell the bizarre case of the SS Orang Medan, which is a Dutch vessel,
1: yeah,
0: and it means in Malaysian, the man of Medan. And this mysterious case links to several other mysteries of the area, which is one of the busiest shipping lanes in the world. So the tale of this boat, the SS Orang Medan, is said to have taken place in 1948 and the Dutch vessel was supposedly sent out a distress call while sailing the Strait of Malacca. Does that sound familiar to you, Michelle?
1: You crazy Malacca. <laughs> yes. Malacca. It does. I believe yep. we've
0: spoken about that before. Oh, we have. I know why. It separates Malaysia and Indonesia. It stretches for 890 kilometres. It connects the Pacific and Indian oceans. It's quite a spectacular place. Nearly 120,000 boats pass through the narrow corridor every year. And at its narrowest, is only three kilometres wide. A third of the world's trade and half of all its oil shipments are carried through these lanes. And yes, it is also where decades later, Michelle, you might be wondering, in 2014, (laughs) the Malaysian Airlines flight MH370 disappeared. Do you know what? I'm flying Air Malaysia later this year.
1: Oh, great. Good for you. I thought it was
0: Singapore and now all those eavesdropping episodes are coming flooding back. I don't know. I'm going to have to take some sedatives for the flight, I think. Oh,
1: look, I'll give you a little good luck, Charm.
0: You'll be fine. Oh, thank you. So anyway, distress call is out. A nearby ship, the Silver Star, heard a Morse code, SOS, from a, a signaller on board, the SS Orang Medan. The message said, All officers, including the captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead, dot, 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 I die. End of message. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Fuck, man. S- so the crew of the Silver Star... They went aboard to find the entire ship covered with corpses with bulging eyes and terrified expressions on their faces. Their mouths were wide open as if in the middle of a scream, and their arms were outstretched as if reaching for something. Even the ship's dog was dead, frozen in this disgustingly scary
1: state. Oh my God, what the hell the bulging eyes the Not nice. reaching this reaching. This reaching. Is- it feels culty like but scary alien stuff i don't know okay so on closer
0: inspection the crew showed no signs of any injuries that could have caused their deaths and the rescuers of the silver star they prepared to tow the ship to port when suddenly a fire broke out on board then there was an explosion of such force that it lifted the boat out of the ocean and then it dropped to the depths below the ss urang medang sank without trace, and the wreck of that ship has never been located.
1: Oh, fuck. It's almost like there is some weird supernatural thing, which is like, do not go near this. You are not meant to know what happened here. We are hiding this motherfucker down in the depths. I need to check the flight path for my flight.
0: Anyway, as a result of what I've just told you, Michelle, a lot of people asked if the SS Urang Medan even ever existed. It's not listed in the Lloyd's Register of Shipping, which oh. has been around since 1764 to give both insurance underwriters and sea merchants an idea of the condition of vessels which were insured and then charted. But not all ships are registered with Lloyd's, especially if this boat originated in Sumatra.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Also, the Silver Star did not log or record the attempted rescue. And... The Coast Guard didn't report this incident until May 1954, which was six years after the sinking of the SS Urang Medan.
1: This shit just drives me mad. Yeah. I mean, look, I know haters want to hate and people, they don't want to believe they always want it to be a hoax. But it's like Una Mossop. Why wait 10 years? Why wait Mm. six years? Just Mm -hmm. what is going on here? People.
0: People. There are theories that several countries have worked together to cover the whole incident up. Yes, there are conspiracies abound regarding this story. Others think it was a noxious gas that was released from the Earth's core through fissures in the seabed and overcame the boat. And I quite like that. I quite like that. As a theory. Because I've just explained, you know, all about this point where it meets, two oceans meet. Yes, yes.
1: Yes, something to do with tectonic plates or who knows, underneath. Could be. And I just, thinking about their bulging eyes and reaching, maybe it was there like, dying Mm. the gas, like,
0: ah! Poisoned. Who knows? Poisoned from inside, yeah. There was a German scholar, whose name I did not write down, who wrote a report that stated there was potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin both being stored in the ship's hold, which might explain the explosion. Hmm. Now, the timing of the incident was the middle of World War II. Could it just have been warfare?
1: Maybe. But were they really a threat to anyone?
0: Who knows? What was their mission? Who knows? And of course, there are those who believe it's a supernatural event. Me? (laughs)
1: Always.
0: (laughs) You. You're the one. So we're going to go back to the beginning of the story. I started to say that there was a CIA document that was declassified in 2013. In it, there's a letter and it mentioned something about, it could be something from the unknown. That was written in this letter. The letter was written by C.H. Mark Jr., who was the assistant to the director of the CIA, Alan Dulles, Yes, in 1959. Dulles, we've spoken about him before.
1: I think we have. Have I missed something? But how is this connected to the film? What film? I just was talking about boats. <gasps> ah, okay, because I was thinking, I wasn't sure. I <laughs> I just liked all the little
0: tidbits about Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog and all the... Ah. Uh, yes. The crazy shit that was going on. Anyway, going back to the CIA document, it said, I feel sure that the SS Urang Medan holds the answer to many of these aeroplane accidents and unknown mysteries of the sea. This was written in 1959, Michelle. Okay. So there must be other incidences, which I did not research. Apologies. But obviously there have been a lot of other things that have gone on. There haven't been solved. So it's not said who this document was sent to,
1: Okay, but it's out there. Look, you know, this is the second time this episode we've talked about declassified documents. Mm -hmm. And obviously they are classified for a reason. What is that reason? What are they covering up? Is this a conspiracy? You know, like why were those documents classified in the first place? What information was so sensitive that it had to be, you know, locked away and kept secret? Which does point the finger at is there something more to this
0: well as i mentioned just now ch mark jr had sent this letter and in it he did mention other airplane and boat incidences mm. that have gone unexplained in this area of the strait of malacca now during the battle of the malacca strait mm. during world war Two, the japanese cruiser Haguro was sunk in the naval battle so this would have happened very close to when in the 40s yep when this incident with the Orang Medan had occurred, more than 900 people went down with that ship. Then in December 2018, bodies were just found floating in the waters off the islands of Indonesia in the, in the area. And it was estimated these bodies had been floating in the waters for more than a month. Investigators found some of the victims were Indonesian workers who'd been killed on a ship when it crashed into a huge wave and had sunk earlier that month. But they still haven't been able to determine where the other bodies have come from.
1: And who they are. I mean, these are just human lives with no identification. What a cold case, really. Yeah, that's in 2018. I mean, you would think that we would have the technology, the satellites, you know, like mm-hmm. basically there's CCTV footage of the world. You know, surely someone knows something. Google Earth, yeah. What is going on here? Mm. That is a mysterious mystery.
0: Totally. The waters are also known as a hotbed for pirates. And they're real, Michelle. Pirates are real. Forty one percent of the world's pirate attacks happened in southern Asia between nineteen ninety five and twenty thirteen.
1: Forty one percent of all pirates. Well that's incidences. the thing, you think of pirates as being, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow and, you know, with a patch over one eye, but they're just basically them the mafia on the water.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: So I'm gonna
0: take you back in time to fifteen eleven where there was a Portuguese vessel called Flor de la Mar. It was carrying $3 billion, I don't know if that figure is accurate, in treasure, and it hit a reef and sank to the bottom of the ocean, killing 400 people. The treasure had been stolen from a sultan and it was never found. Hmm. So that's another spooky incident related to the, the Straits of Malacca.
1: That makes me want to get a metal detector and like just try and well, find that money. Don't you think people have? They must have done, that was in 1511. Yes, if it's still there. I mean, it's long gone. It could have gone down into one of those fissures. You know, you never know. Is there a sinkhole in the sea underneath there? Is there something just swallowing all this stuff up? Like the Bermuda Triangle, but under the water. Things just go missing. And it's possible, you know. We don't know enough about the murky depths to know whether or not there is some weird hole or it's like some kind of crack in the plate. It's like, you know, crevasses on land, maybe the similar underneath the the ocean Mm -hmm. and boom, it closes up. You never find it. Yeah. So the story of the SS Orang
0: Medan has inspired films and PlayStation games, most famously the Man from Medan game, which you can play on PlayStation and possibly a film called Ghost Ship. But I did look at the IMDb page and it was a totally different story inspired by but people do say that the man from medan game and the ghost ship film are both very similar mm. and that is all i have for you unfortunately that's just going to have to remain a mystery did it happen didn't it happen if it did happen was it to do with uh spying and war in the middle of the world war 2 or Is it to do with gases, noxious gases on the ship? Or is it to do with something more underhand or spooky or supernatural? What the hell? And why didn't the Silver Star ever report the fact or log the fact that they
1: had gone to rescue the ship, which disappeared without a trace? There's a lot of question marks in that story, but absolutely food for thought and brilliantly told. Thank you. That gave me shivers too, because ship travel, unless you're on a cruise... No one's doing those long journeys anymore, really. Well, I mean, maybe cargo. I don't know. I I guess cargo ships still do, you know, long routes, but... Well, yes, yep, I suppose they do, yeah. I would hope that there is more transparency in ships being logged. So if something like that happened today, Mm. maybe. But then again, if it's a conspiracy theory, it gets swept under the carpet. That's right. We will never know www. dot Hello at
0: eavesdroppingpodcast.
1: Email us your stories. Share, like, all of that.
0: Follow our
1: social media. media. Like, subscribe, Instagram Facebook. Yep, you know you
0: At do. eavesdropping underscore. You yep. got that or right. Just So we have to leave our mysterious mysteries exactly where we started, which is remaining a mystery.
1: What? Yeah, this. we have not. We've given you some information. We've solved nothing. So there they are.
0: Mysterious mysteries. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, thanks so much for your amazing story. I loved it. No, that's my pleasure.
0: And thank you for yours. And in the meantime, I think we just have to send everybody off now for the week with all of this info in their ears. But just remember, guys, wherever you are, whatever you do, just keep eavesdropping. 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 Jumpin', jumpin'. He's dropping, he's dropping, droppin all day long.